One of the more challenging things I've heard in recent years was a lecture. It was a lecture by a Dutch theologian. I doubt you've heard his name. It's Hans Reinders. And he was talking about what it means to be human and how he didn't think ultimately that it had to do with really with our capacity to think or feel or respond to life in any way. So he'd become interested in mental uh, and physical incapacity following the birth of his own daughter. But it was another woman that really got him thinking. And he told the story, of, and I simply can't remember her name, so I looked up Dutch girls' names in Wikipedia, and I'm calling her Sabine. <laughs> so he met Sabine in a Dutch care home, and Sabine was about 30 years old at the time, as I recall, but she had no memory, no short-term memory. Uh, she had to learn everything anew every day. She was, by all medical uh, senses, fit and healthy and well, but there wasn't a lot of uh, brain function, and uh, although she could cry and she could laugh, um, and she could, by the end of the day, she could remember how to sit up, but she had to be helped get dressed every day. But it's almost like there was no there there for, for her. Um, she was functionally alive and awake, but she had no capacity to respond, to remember, to think, or do much of what we generally imagine differentiates us as human beings from the rest of creation. But here's the thing. He noticed, as he spent time with her, that every day the caregivers would get Sabine up when she was well and wash her and bathe her and brush her hair and dress her and, 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 and help her eat. And then they would uh, seat her in a chair, uh, which by the end of the day she could sit up without being restrained. Uh, and she, uh, she sat by the, by the nurse's station. And what happened was he noticed that as people passed her by, they would say, how are you, Sabine? You look pretty today, Sabine. Isn't it a beautiful day, Sabine? And if she wasn't there because she had a cold or whatever, or they were late getting going, people would say, is Sabine all right? What's happened to Sabine? Where, where is she? What's going on? And I'm, I'm grossly oversimplifying Rinder's conclusion, but it seems to me to come down to this. He's saying, in effect, that what makes us human is community. It's not so much our capacity, but the critical factor is our being recognized and being known and being remembered in uh, some kind of real community, the midst of other people. See, Sabine was clearly a human being. She was clearly alive by every medical measure. She was cared for, perhaps loved in some sense by others. And yet, I still think there's something less than about Sabine. I don't want to go all the way and say that our capacity to respond to others in an outward and visible way is not important to our humanity. But I get what he's saying, that, that it's absolutely critical to our humanity that it is in community that we become who we are, as we are shaped by norms and practices and values and so on. I mean, Sabine was shaped. She was dressed and washed and picked up and sat in a chair and cared for. If she'd been lying dirty on the floor, it's likely someone would have said something about it and perhaps affirmed their own humanity as they affirmed hers. But it's the truth that make, it's this truth about community that makes family such a basic community, whatever the shape of that family. Jesus was profoundly shaped by his community, profoundly shaped 
as a Jew. There have been many theories and much ink spilt as to why Jesus offered himself to be baptized by John and what it might mean to him. And there's lots of interesting stuff, but it seems to come down to what we can say, best bet, is it had to do with his own preparation for the coming reign of God, the same rulership that he announced had become present in the world in his own being. And it was also, as Matthew puts it, to fulfill all righteousness, or in some way participate in the practices of the community that make up the expression of covenant relationship, right relationship with God. It was to do the religious things that people do in that community at that time that, that create and uh, reinforce and describe identity. Sabine was helped to participate in those norms of community. Jesus' baptism was part and parcel of his being in the community that shaped him and taught him what was important and, in a sense, made him human just as much as his flesh and blood birth. This matters. This matters because it informs us, shapes our own practice as we remember what is of ultimate worth, what is really important, so that we may be remembered or put back together, restored and renewed when we worship. It's a reminder of the practices of faith. Now, in this day and age, for many of us, community itself has necessarily become a spiritual practice a choice, something to which we pay attention. If it was ever true that we were in a homogenous community and we saw people at school and we saw people uh, in the grocery store and we saw people at the football game and we saw people here and there and they were the same people in church and, and what we did in church was come together and worship, but actually the community was, was broader and, and found, found in many different ways. If that was true, it's not true now and it's certainly not true in the midst of a great city. Real community, if it was ever a given, is not something we can assume. And I'm talking about real community. Not, there are all kinds of communities uh, to which we are informed, of which we are informed we are a part, usually when someone wants us to do something. So, you know, when you hear about the Atlanta community, it means feel good about paying your taxes because you're part of the community. Or, or the, the radio listening community. You know, it's, it's, it's fine, but it's not really a community in the way they'd like us to think about it. Or I'm, I'm not in a relationship with a magazine. They think they're selling me a relationship. I'm just buying 12 issues, you know. But real community, the kind that we aspire to in church, the idealized community, the kind in which you know and are known by others, that community that we talk about as a gift of baptism, as a practice and a commitment. I have a friend, another parish, another time, a long time ago, actually, who was, who was engaged with a church, raised his children there, enjoyed the programs, got some good connections. He was known more broadly in the community, but he never really connected in some more profound or important way. He never discovered at that time in his life that he couldn't just assume community. He was known superficially. But then, and I didn't get to know him until after, his life got really challenging. And his marriage was falling apart, and there was abuse, and he lost his job, and things went really, really haywire. And he didn't get a single call from his church. 
not from anyone. And we work hard at making sure that doesn't happen here, but it could happen here. And it could happen if we don't practice, pay attention, find places of real community where it's beyond just seeing each other at coffee hour and there's a possibility of some deeper intimacy. Some friendship that requires risking vulnerability that allows us warts and all to be known and grants us the gift of knowing others. It's really important. It's really important. So community is something we have to find. We have to find it in the midst of this church. You have to find community. It's not a, not a given. The kind in which we have real things in life, when things in life go wrong, real friends, something we have to invest in and nurture. And so it's spiritual practice. As much as worship is, as much as practicing generosity is, as much as practicing truth-telling is, community is a spiritual practice. Parish picnic can be a great place to meet others, kind of expression of community. It's important, but it's only really fun if there are some people there who, with whom you've developed some degree of friendship, or at least want to develop some degree of friendship and even intimacy, which has happened somewhere else and over time. Bible study, women's chapters, a retreat, maybe a committee, time with a refugee family. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what it is, but at those places where we connect a little more deeply, you get the idea. It's a choice, a practice that makes what we do in worship an expression and a reinforcement of something that is already happening elsewhere in our lives rather than something we do from time to time with others on a Sunday and assume community. The first gift of baptism of the Spirit is special people. The new humanity, this new thing that Jesus is doing when we, with whom we practice remembering what really matters so we are remembered and put back together and recognized and connected. See, it sounds like a very simple message, but it's actually really deep stuff about what it is to be human and what it is to be creatures and what it is that God desires for us so that we can live more freely and more hopefully and more courageously as the people we were created to be. So think back again about Sabine. See, all the messages of this world tell us that we're valuable when we can consume. And all the message of the gospel is, you are of infinite value because you're made by love for love. You're born out of relationship for relationship. The community of God's grace is reflected in the community of your life. And that's as true, if it's true for us, then it's true for Sabine. And it's true for all the people in your friends and families who suffer and are challenged by mental illness. It's true for everyone that you're made by love for love. I still want more than Sabine had in life. How about you? Let us respond to the gospel as ever in silence and in prayer. <laughs>